Some of you will we find ourselves before Pesach. The halacha is, the Gemara brings at the end of Sarah's Megillah, there's a din of Shalim and Darshim where a person has to learn the halachas of every Yom Tov, 30 days before Yom Tov. It's interesting where the Shulchan Aruch brings this din down is specifically by Pesach. The of the reason is, is because by Pesach there's more halachas than any other Yom Tov. If that's the case, if a person wants to be proficient in halachas which are practical in Pesach, so here's where a person needs extra time in order to in order to prepare to learn halachas up front. It's a very practical thing. Which is why when it comes to Shavuos, the person has a machlekes. And that is how much time does the person need before Shavuos? Because when it comes to Shavuos, there aren't that many halachas. So maybe a person doesn't need 30 days. The truth is Basukas. Also, even though there are the halachas of the Arab Minim, which are quite extensive, it's still not as much as Hilchus Pesach. But the truth is, one never really has the 30 days for Sukkot because uh, we have Sukkot only four days after Yom Kippur and uh, only 14 days after Rosh Hashanah. So then the amount of time to learn for Sukkot is uh, very limited because uh, the Yom Kippur come before it. So therefore, the time which is the most practical to talk about having a month to learn halachas of Yantav really applies to Pesach. That's on the practical level. There are those Mephoshim who explain it on more of a mystical level, and that is that there's really a din of the Yantav approaching 30 days before the Yantav comes in. At Kedekach, that there are those Mephoshim who explain that the reason why the whole month of Elul is really a month of introspection, a month of Chava, is because it's the 30 days before Rosh Hashanah. And since Rosh Hashanah is the Yamadin, so 30 days before the Yamadin already starts the process of preparing for Yamadin. And therefore the idea of having the month of Elul as a month of Tshuva is really a month of preparation for Rosh Hashanah. So that's the case. It's not something so much of a practical nature. It's more of a spiritual preparation. And uh, if that's the case, the question really is what's the spiritual preparation for Pesach? Can make two comments? Yeah. One comment. Before we come to it, Rebbe said, if we're going to say that it's uh, some kind of spiritual preparation like we find by Elul, that uh, it's this preparation for Rosh Hashanah, not the halachas of Rosh Hashanah, as much as preparing for the Yamadin of Rosh Hashanah, so then we see something else. That is, the idea of the Shorim Vedosh in 30 days isn't just to learn the halachas, it's also to prepare ourselves for the spiritual implication of the Yom Tov. So that's Nagez Rosh Hashanah, Lechoros Nagez Yom Kippur as well. Then if that's the case, Tshuva, it would be applied 30 days before Yom Kippur. I mean, it's already included in Elul, so it wouldn't be a separate preparation. But if that's the case, then the question we have to ask ourselves is what's the spiritual preparation for Pesach that a person needs to do and would take maybe a month of preparation beforehand. So what they used to say in Slobodka, which I'm the altar, is a very interesting vote. The, what, what's our spiritual preparation for Pesach? That on Pesach we went out of Mitzrayim, we were freed from the bondage, the slavery of Paroi, to become Avdei Hashem. Okay, so to become Avdei Hashem takes preparation. Become an evolution takes preparation. What's the preparation which the what's required? Says the altar, we quote Rabbanyana. Rabbanyana says that if a person says, if an Evid says to his master, everything you tell me to do, I'll do except for one thing, so he's not an Evid anymore. Because he's Kfar Parak, the Lashon Rabbanyana, Kfar Parak, all Adoin of Me'olah. He's already broken the yoke of his master. He said, I'm not going to listen to you, I'll do what I want to do. So it so happens to be that in 99% of the time, we're holding the same way, but when it comes to the one or two things which I don't agree, then I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And therefore, when it comes to an Evid, an Evid is only considered an Evid if 
whatever the master is going to tell him, that's what he's going to do. Rebbein when he brings the Shariah Trevor, he's coming to explain why if a person decides willfully he's not going to do a certain mitzvah, even if it's a very small mitzvah, that's already a very serious thing, because by deciding, I'm not going to obey Hashem, whatever mitzvah is going to be, he's already broken that, so to speak, uh, resp- that all oh, that yoke of responsibility to Hashem by deciding when he when it's convenient for him or what he decides to keep or not to keep. Said so the altar, if that's the case, when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, a person is judged by the majority of his actions. Is he a majority a tzaddik or majority a Rosh? And the preparation for Rosh Hashanah is to make sure that he's in the category of a tzaddik. He said, if it comes to Pesach, that we judge are we, are we willing to become Avdei Hashem, then it's not enough if a majority of the time we're good enough. Really, we have to be considered our body completely, which means that whatever Hashem is prepared to do. And if that's the case, he held the preparation for Pesach was to prepare, for a person to prepare himself to become an Evid. Okay, that's maybe more of a Musa or Hashkafadik idea of preparing for Yom Tif. But the third thing we see is that besides for learning the Halachas, which there are a lot of, and besides for the idea of preparing for the, the so to speak, the Hashkafic implication of the Yom Tif, there's a third parameter also for the sin of preparing of Tariyaz for Yom Tif, and that is, it already has Halachic Nafkaminus. We're going to see in two specific cases, and that is, within 30 days of Pesach, so the halachas of Pesach already apply. The Gemara says, the Gemara says, that if a person is leaving his home within 30 days of Pesach, even if he's not intending to come back until after Pesach, he's already chayven b'likas chomet. Whereas if a person would leave his home before 30 days before Pesach, more than 30 days before Pesach, he would not be chayven b'likas chomet. Which means, in both of these two cases, we're talking about a person who knows that there's chametz in his house. Who knows that there's chametz in his house. Except, if he'd be leaving more than 30 days before Pesach, so we can't yet mechaev him to check for the chametz. What's he going to do about it? Comes uh, Erev Pesach, wherever he is, or from about all the chametz, wherever he is in the world. But if it's already within 30 days of Pesach, so then the chiyuvim of Pesach already are chal on him, and if that's the case, he's already mechuyev to check for the chametz and destroy it, like the regular dinim of Bilekas chametz, even if he's not going to be here for Pesach. So, in practical terms, that means... Unless he's selling. Yeah, it's always an option to sell. He's mechuyev to mevayad the chametz. And therefore, in practical terms, that means that if a person leaves Eretz Yisrael, let's say, before Purim, so then he can leave his apartment or his house with chametz there, and he doesn't have to worry about it, as far as doing a bedeko or beer goes. Masha'enka, if a person is leaving after Purim, so then he's already got the chiyuv of B'dikah, which is of him. And if that's the case, he will have to do a B'dikah's chametz before he goes. So let's start with that then. It's very practical, especially for people who are going overseas for Yom Tif. This includes Bachrim and Yeshivas, not so well known, but it applies to them as well. And that is, if a person is leaving for Yom Tif, even if he has no intention of coming back, he's going to stay in Chutzlar until the beginning of next month, and hoping that the country will him back in again. Right, so that's the case. He's not going to be here for Pesach. Because if he's leaving within 30 days of Pesach, he's mechuyev to the B'dikas Chomet before he leaves. That means, B'dikas Chomet, like every regular B'dikas Chomet. Right, it means he has to do it the night before he goes, with a flashlight or with a candle, if he wants to be machmer at Chazalwa, or if it's too hot as a candle, to use a light, and to check his possessions, to check uh, what he has, to make sure that there's no Chomet there that he's aware of, or unaware of, but he can find, and then he's mechuyev to destroy it. Um, he wouldn't make a barakha on the Bidikas Chomet because the Kuvim and Pupesach will be chayv in another Bidikah where he is then. So, but the Cholzas is mechuyev to do that. And, uh, like I said, I would have the regular dinim of Bidikas Chomet. Obviously, if a person knows he's going to sell his Chomet, 
So then the Bika wouldn't apply. Like any any case for anybody, if they're going to sell their Khamut, they don't need a Bika. The idea of the Bika is to make sure I don't have Khamut in my possession, and if any, I'm going to sell it, then it's no longer in my possession. So therefore... I'm sorry, if you, if you do, uh, you're selling everything in the house? So therefore, if a person is going overseas, and for whatever reason they, they don't have time to do a Bika or to deal with the Khamut, the best answer is to sell everything, all the Khamuts in their house, which means... They lock up the house. No one has access to the house of a Pesach. It's the guy has the resource to keep the chametz which you sold him in the house. And then he doesn't have to do more than that. If the, he's going to sublet his apartment or there are going to be people staying in his apartment, then that's no good. Because then there's chametz there which Jews will be seeing on Pesach. Then so he's going to have to, either himself or make sure that at least the people going to be using it are going to be derbedika of the areas of the apartment that they're going to use to make sure that there's no chametz there. Right. That's as far as, and same thing, a bacha in the area which he's using in the yeshiva, whether it's his closet, his, his the bookcase, the, the area around his bed, whatever's considered his territory, so to speak, doesn't have to belong to him. The fact that he has the right to use it makes it his, his, and therefore he has to do everything on it before he leaves. That's what a person is leaving early. Now, other than that, for a person is here in Israel, so the din of B'dikas Chomets applies the night before Pesach. That's the Ikat time for B'dikas Chomets. The reason for that is, is because it's the last time for B'dikas Chomets. In other words, people would eat Chomets up until Erev Pesach. Right? Especially seen the Gemara, that they didn't have anything else to eat. Either they were eating Chomets, or the switch over, they started eating Matzah. But, uh, on, on but, uh, so they had to, the last night, so to speak, before Pesach would be the B'dikas Chomets. And therefore, that would be the last time that a person could check his house for Chomets. And then Erev Pesach morning, he would burn the Chomets, and now he started baking Matzah for tonight. That was the Mahalach Natan of the Gemara. Now, therefore, if for whatever reason a person can't do the Dikas Chomets the night before Pesach, okay, he's still Mukhin the Dikas Chomets. It just has to go backwards and do the night before that, or whatever it's going to be. Right? In other words, it doesn't have, it's not a mitzvah which is only Chal the night before Pesach. It will be the nearest occasion to Pesach where a person can do the so therefore, oh, so therefore, in a case like this year, where Erev Pesach is going to be Shabbos, right, we know Pesach was not the Shabbos, so therefore the night of the 14th, which would normally be the night of B'dikas Chomets, is going to be Leil Shabbos, and we can't do B'dikas Chomets on Leil Shabbos for a number of reasons, um, besides the fact that we can't deal with the fire, or, also we won't be able to burn the Chomets we find, so therefore we, we back up the B'dikas, it says the night, we do the night before that, a night earlier, and that's what we'll do the B'deka. And in a case like that, we will make a bracha. Because everyone's doing it the same night. But if a person, for every reason, is flying on Lel Erev Pesach, and therefore he has to do a B'deka the night before that, the Mashmah says we don't make a bracha. The Takana won the bracha only was in the time of Chazal Kuzaya for everybody. Whether that's going to be the 14th or before that. A person who's M'chuyif to do B'deka, and does B'deka before that, is M'chuyif to do the B'deka, but he wouldn't make the bracha on that. So there's two Kalchamiras. There's two Kalchamiras. The, the one for B'dikah. If somebody's making a, a B'dikah early, two weeks. If a person's doing a B'dikah early, and he's not going to have Chomets after that. In that house. Or in any house. He's not going to be in a place of his ownership where he has Chomets. The, the Kalchamir, which he says after B'dikah, is for Chomets he doesn't know about. If, but if he's going to go somewhere else, and they have more Chomets there, then it doesn't really help him. Right. Yeah, I don't know. We don't find. I've seen this also. Yeah, it's a show. 
So he has to do bedikta on his house here. He goes overseas. He's now staying in a place over there. Now he's looking to bedikta there as well because that's the place he's going to be for Pesach. And now he has to make sure there's not, there's not going to be chametz there. Yeah, but there is a cloud. Cloud just for convenience that he does it. Yeah, it's, it's his area. Then it's his chiyuv. It could be the Balabais' Khiv also because the house belongs to him. But Lemaise, that's the place where the halacha is that the dinner of Blikas Khamas is on the Saikha, which means the person who's using it. Mm-hmm. So if, if I'm the landlord and I have a tenant, the tenant has to do Blikas Khamas because he's the and one who's there. Rats, the areas where he's, which have given him the right to use, if it's his closet or if it's his drawers or if it's his bookcase, whatever it would be, or his bed, so that belongs to him, but he has the right to use it. And if that's the case, if it's, especially if it's his Khamas, he's not going to check it. And uh, one wouldn't make another bracha for that, but for sure he'd be hived to. And that's when he'll say he's called Khamira and then on, on his And then and then Mimela, when I'm saying called Khamira and all the Khamas I don't know about, whoever it might be. Right. Now, this Salachi you said isn't so simple because we're going to see this here. But like I said, so therefore, the first point is the Dikas Khamas and. There's another Halacha also which sometimes is practical. And that is a person doesn't have to do the whole Dikas Khamas of his whole house for one night. Right? If a person has a three floor villa, and it's possibly going to take him too long to do all three floors in one night. So whatever part of it he's not using anymore, he can be bodecking his floors. And now he's locked, it, he's locked that part off. No one's going there until Pesach. So he knows that that part is safely out of bounds to Chomet. So he can check it. And that's already been checked. When does she make the bracha? On the night, always. The bracha is always on the night when everyone makes biggest Chomet. We don't, we don't attack in the earlier brachas. But I can still check and cord enough areas which have been checked. And now Chomet will go back to there. I don't have to check them again. Can people clean? If it's somewhere which you know for sure Chomus didn't go to, then you're right. But no, normally a person doesn't lock up their house. And if that's the case, even though it's been cleaned, there could be a possibility of Chomus going back there again. That's why you're checking it. But if you have a certain room in your house, let's say you're calling this the Pesach closet, or wherever you want to put your Pesach groceries, mm-hmm. so I've checked it, I've cleaned it, there's no Chomus there, I can uh, do a Bidikas Chomus that night whenever I finish cleaning it, and then lock the door. And then no one goes into that room, and then it's okay. I don't have to worry about checking it again. Because that room is now, has been checked, now there's, it's not a mockum with Shemachnes and Bechomet. I could do that. Right? Same thing, a person is closing up his business a few days before Pesach. Again, a business, an office, or if in a kolo, if you have your area in the kolo, or things like that, are also mockums in your resource, which you may have for you to check. So if you live in the kolo, which is Nisan, I'm not intending to come back here until next month. It's within three days of Pesach. If I have my area, wherever it's going to be, I'm going to check it. Now that I've checked it, it's done. I'm not coming back here again. So that's okay. So I don't have to come back on every Pesach to check it a second time. Okay, so I can check things in advance and I can uh, then consider them question for Pesach in the sense that there isn't comments there. And as long as there isn't the Havim in it, they're going to be uh, re, so to speak, contaminated with comments. The people are going to go back there again with comments. So then I don't have to check it again. Right, I will still say the bracha only on the night of Vedekas Chomets. I will still only say Kol Chamira on the night of Vedekas Chomets because until then I, could, I will have other Chomets which I still want to use. Okay, that's the first point. Now, there's a second Kol Chamira which is said in the morning and it's after we burn the Chomets. Now, so normally the procedure is, normally the procedure is the night of Erev Pesach, a person checks for Chomets, whatever Chomets he finds, he puts away carefully and the next day he burns it. And... After he's done the bedikah, he doesn't know of any other chomets in his house because he's looked for it. And therefore he can say, any chomets I don't know about, which I haven't found, I'm a vatlet. I've done the midst of looking, what I don't, haven't managed to find, I'm being a vatl. The next day he burns the chomets, and now he, all the chomets he knows about, he also thinks he's been, has been destroyed. 
because the sergeant burnt it all. And now the second kochamira, which means even chametz which I do know about, or I don't know about, it should all be bottled because I now think I've, I have finished with all the chametz. Again, chametz which I've sold is no longer mine, so it doesn't make a difference. But out of chametz which is mine, either I've been, I was bottled if I didn't know about it, or if I did know about it, I disposed of it, and then I can say the second kochamira, which is what we normally do in most years. And the kochamira is not a tefillah, it's a declaration. And therefore, to say it in Aramaic, you don't understand Aramaic, it doesn't really help. Right? It's, I'm, I'm declaring something on the list. The reason it was written in Aramaic is because the people didn't understand Hebrew. So what, and therefore, it was written in the language they understood. And therefore, I always say, for people today who don't understand what they're reading in Aramaic, even if you want to say the words in the original, at least translate it into a language you understand, because it's really a declaration of intent more than it's a Twitter. So I have to understand what I'm saying. Is it enough that just the head of the household makes the Kol Chamira? Um, only if all the chametz was his. If it's all his chametz, then he has the right to battle it. Now this is important halacha, because in most households, there could be a number of children who have their own trash, and you know, treasure trove of chametz. For example, and in my house at least, after Purim, everybody has their own store of shalach right? I have no idea where they hide it. Right? So the chayr is theirs. It was given to them by their friends or by their teachers, or I don't know exactly who. Right? But the they have chametz, it's their chametz. Halakhically as well. That's the case. I can't really battle their chomets. Now, now I'm a chuyev to be by decat. I'm a chuyev to look for it and to check that the house isn't in their house. But if there would be chomets somewhere which belongs to them, they have to battle it. I'm talking about, no. I'm talking about children over bar mitzvah. Over. Over. Children under bar mitzvah can't really be battle things. But on the other hand, it could be it's theirs. And if I have to, as I have to say that if anything which is in my domain is bottle, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't belong to me. In other words, as this is explained, there's a, there's a the question of whether something a cotton acquires belongs to his father or not. It's a shy in the Gemara. That's a real belongs to the father, or it's only a starkish shalom belongs to the father. And therefore, as much as it's mine, I want to battle it. And if it's not, it was never mine to start with. I'll definitely try and look for it to make sure it's not in the house. For the very real reason that if it is in the house, the cotton might find it and eat it on Pesach. I don't want, I don't want that to happen. So therefore, the person, when we talk about doing with Dikas Chomets, I was going to get to this in a few minutes. When we talk about doing with Dikas Chomets, I would say, if you're going to highlight the places in your house which are priorities to check for, for Chomets. Priority number one is your child's room. Because even in the normal, in your room, you know more or less where you're going to keep food and not keep food. And I don't expect to find food in my clothing drawer. And I don't expect in the living room to find food behind my bookcase. Right? It's not a place where everyone's going to put food. And I'm not going to look for it in Pesach there. So it's a nice extra if you want to, but it's not a, like a priority. The priority to look for food is in the kids, children's room because you have no idea where they put food. And they do bring food to their room, in most, at least in most houses. They'll hide whatever, uh, whatever they have. And uh, they, if, you, and they go, they, if they find it on Pesach, there's a real chashash, they're going to eat it. And I forget about it. That's the problem. That's why you have to do a good job looking for it. Because if they're going to find it, they're going to eat it even on base. And that's what I want to prevent. And therefore, the main point to look for chametz, and I'll tell you with the, 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 the obvious places to look. Number one, the pockets of all their clothing. Coats, jackets, uh, pants and pockets, whatever it's going to be. Check your children's pockets. It's a, it's a well-known place to find chametz. Number, number two, um, all the school bags, gun bags, ticks, uh, you know, the things they bring back home every week, their patch sheets, that's also, it's known to have comments in those places. Every year I find that all, all these sandwiches. Right, so these are the places to look. 
Now, the fact that it's been through the washing machine doesn't help you. Because if it was properly packaged, it'll survive the washing machine. And therefore, if they have a wafer, for example, and there's a shiny tinfoil in their pocket, it'll survive the wash, washing machine and it'll come back in its original wrapper. Uh, so it doesn't help. It, doesn't, it hasn't been rendered unedible just because it's been washed. Same thing in the bed, under the bed, next to the bed, wherever it's going to be. Inside toys, which are, uh, which are, are like lend themselves to be used as uh, boxes or whatever it would be that could put food inside, these are all obvious places to look. And the person's not going to have to look there. Um, it's definitely a child. And like I said, whether the bit works, if it doesn't belong to me, it's a shayla. I should therefore very be, do the best I can with the bedikah to make sure that there isn't going to be chomets there. Right. That's as far as where to be boiduk. Um, maybe two or three more points on that. What we're looking for in the chomets, the Mishnah explains, it's chametz which a person is going to eat, because as far as having the chametz, the bittel works. The chachil, I don't want to have it. I want to find it. But the mice, if I don't find it, the bittel will work. It's better not on it. But uh, the, the the second problem is that maybe someone's going to eat it, and therefore edible chametz is much more of a chashash for me than you know the half a pretzel which is under the couch or the the few uh, crumbs which are under the fridge. I'm not saying one shouldn't clean these things, but it's not as imperative because no one's going to eat that. And the bittel is going to work. And therefore, the ikka chashash is chomets which the person is going to eat. So I'm looking for food which is still going to be edible, at least to a child. And they're going to, if they find it on Pesach, they're going to eat it. That's, that's the ma'ikka priority in the ikka. There is such a thing, yes. Yes, yes, Mr. Rubin brings it. But if it's less than the kazayas, it's the tun of ktas, which means the person doesn't want those dirty already, then there's less of a chiv to be by that. One more point, and that is, so the, like I said, the first priority. There's places where children will put food and children will find food and I have to think, or at least maybe get, get them to cooperate in the bedeka and hopefully they'll, they'll show me where they put their things and I'll be able to look for chametz there. If you have a cheerio that's not Which is based on the same thing, the second place to check and what I'm careful of is even a mashu, a cram, or something like that which could land in the food on Pesach. Because then there's a problem of, oh again, chametz on Pesach isn't bottle, they have a problem of eating chametz. And therefore when it comes to the kitchen, the second place that needs to be checked is anywhere which there could be chametz which could come into the food that I'm cooking, eating, or storing on Pesach. That needs to be also a proper bedikah to because then it doesn't help the brittle. I'm not worried about having the chametz. I'm worried about the chametz getting into the food I want to eat. The prime culprit, which a lot of people don't think about, the prime culprit is in the rubber seal of the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Rubber seal around the doors of the refrigerator and the freezer. There's a, always, in order to create a vacuum, there's a rubber seal, like an accordion-looking rubber seal. It's notorious that food falls into that. And if it's not properly cleaned, the food's there. You open the door too hard, it's going to fall out and into the refrigerator and face into whatever food is inside. Same thing, the seal of the oven. If you, uh, we're going to still talk about ovens. But if a person's using their n- normal oven, let's say someone cashed it, and again, you have to check the rubber seals, because the rubber seals, food falls in between the folds and the seal. And as the person checks it well, there's mamashas of food there, which is very easy to form to other food. And Pesach, especially when you're op- carrying open food past it the whole time of Yontif. Same thing, the underneath of your counters. People are always going to cushion the surfaces and, and, and covering them. But if you have your cabinets on top, check the underneath of a cabinet. If there's food residue there, it's going to, it could fall into your food on Pesach too. It needs to be cleaned properly. Or cover it. Yeah. You'll either cover it or cover it. 
these are the these are the places which a person has to put more effort into the vidika because these are the places where there's more of a chashash that a person is going to come to eat or to, the, the chametz could be eaten. And like I said, that's a primary consideration of vidika because that's the bittel not going to help for. These rubber seals when they get cracked. Vidika, um, and uh, this year is particularly confusing because normally when after a person's burnt the chametz, so the chametz is over. That's it. He's, he's burnt it. He doesn't have it. He says kachamir, and we're done with chametz. Now we move into pesach mode. This year, because it's we, we, like I said, we're going to do the bedek on Thursday night. It's our last available opportunity. We're going to burn the chametz Friday morning. It's our last available pro- time to do that. But we still we you're right. Even though the lechayra it's not erev pesach, but uh, it's brought down that the person should still burn the chametz at the same time, not to get mixed up with other years. And if a person should burn the chametz uh, by the fifth hour of the day, which is about uh, 11 something in the morning, right? Uh, if they let us burn it. Sorry? If they let us burn it, Or otherwise destroy it. But you can't say kochamira this year. You can't say kochamira this year because you still need chametz. Because for the Shabbos service, like we're going to talk about, a person still needs chametz. And therefore, even if you burn the chametz we don't want to use for Shabbos, we still have chametz which we do want to use for Shabbos because we're going to need chametz for the Lecha Mishnah. We can't eat matzah because they're a Pesach, so we're going to have to have chametz. And since I want chametz, I've got to battle the chametz. And now we have a very strange situation that I burn the chametz before I'm finished eating the chametz. Because I can still eat the chametz Friday afternoon and Shabbos night and Shabbos morning until the fourth hour on Shabbos day. And then I've stopped eating chametz because now it's already a Pesach. And then the remaining chametz that I have in my possession from Shabbos, I'm going to have to destroy on Shabbos. Obviously, I can't burn it. But I still have to destroy it because I can't have it. And now on Shabbos morning, I'm going to say the Kol Chamira when I have no longer Chametz in my Rishos. So you're not going to say it by the beer. Not by the, not by the burning, but when I'm finished destroying the Chametz which remains in my Rishos on Shabbos. You can say that on Shabbos? Yes. This is a declaration of intent that I can say on Shabbos. How do I destroy the Chametz on Shabbos? And there's two options. There's really three. The first one is eat it. Right? Which means I know before Shabbos. The only thing I'm leaving to, I'm leaving to eat to in my Rishos on Shabbos of Chametz is the Chametz I'm going to eat. I've worked out exactly how much challah everyone's going to eat for three meals, and I've given them exactly that, that amount. There's nothing going to be any leftovers. I'm going to use something which doesn't make crumbs, and therefore the chametz is going to be consumed. Three meals. We're going to talk about next week how to do that, Baruch Hashem. But I'm not going to have any crumbs. I'm going to use pizza bread or something like that which doesn't make crumbs, and all the chametz is consumed, eaten, and washes out their mouths. We're done. The chametz is finished. It's a very kosher way to do it on Shabbos. Method number two. If a person has crumbs or a person has little bits of chametz left which he hasn't managed to finish, so obviously you can't burn it, to use the toilet and put it there, that's considered that's mavoim in the oilam, and that also works. And the third option is, in a place where there's an eruv, then I can take it out of my rishos. I can take it out of my rishos, I can throw it into the public garbage can, it's not my problem anymore. It's not in my rishos. When we do the sale, and we'll do the sale on Friday. It's on Friday. It's effective Friday. Right, immediately. Effective, uh, no, we can't go on So you're going to drink uh, apple juice. Brandy. You don't have to drink something too. Sorry? Hefka, hefka, hefka. I'm going to say kol chamira on that. Now there's not a marriage, so I can say kol chamira and it's hefka. There's no room to shush. Hefka. And then on Shabbos, I'll say kol chamira once I've gotten rid of it. The last option is to destroy chametz by pouring chemicals over it, uh, which works, but I have to have a chemical which isn't mukta. Because if I'm going to use something which is mukta, it's not going to, uh, obviously I can't do that. 
So I have to find something which isn't muktzah as a way of rendering the chametz uh, completely unusable, whatever it's going to be. That were, those are the ways of getting rid of the leftover chametz on Shabbos. Obviously, when it doesn't want to get stuck with that, so one wants to make sure before Shabbos that all the chametz which I wanted to sell has been sold, all the other chametz has been burnt. The only chametz I still have in my rishus is the chametz that I want to eat. And if there's a few crumbs, a little bit I didn't manage to finish, so that I have a way to dispose of it on Shabbos itself. And once I've done that, I'll say kol and then I'll be able to finish with the dinner of the chametz.